This is the Blue Men Group. This is the Blue Men Group. This is the Blue Men Group. Uh, my name is Ron Ecstasy, and this is Blue Men Group. It's a podcast that I host with my friends, John Bedron and Devin Welsh, and they're also here with me. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. We're here. We're doing yeah. our job. Um, everybody uh, checked in. Uh, like, what, what do you call it? Checked, clocked in. Clocked we in. Punched our cards. Punched the cards. Um, At the entrance mm-hmm. to the studio, we have one of those big crank you to insert the paper card and it punches a hole in and yep there's a and clock on it yep somebody should update the time it still says noon it's flashing noon but um <laughs> it's uh it's it's great to be here it's it smells good in here um yeah it's nice to see your faces let's start with compliments um i'll begin devin you're you're like a you're a trickster you're you're such a trickster i've seen you online you were up to some up to some shenanigans online online on on twitter your twitter everybody go follow at devin well she's up to uh trickster joking <laughs> think think about think about the movie the joker okay or just joker <laughs> trickster joking um he's become that he's I've become the dark joker. Yeah. yeah um so that's your compliment devin and then john the, to compliment you I will say, John knows how to make a cup of coffee, okay? You guys, this guy can make a mean cup of coffee, Java Joe, okay? And um, I've had the um, honor of drinking some of John's coffee, and I just want to let him know that he's one of the best coffee makers out there. Thank you. Um, I'll go next. Uh, John, uh, J- uh, Java Johnny, um, congrats on re-entering the workforce. Um, Thank you. John it's- Indonesian Brown, Bedron. Yeah, it's is that uh, what they call you now? It's inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Ron, um, you are great with organizing all of your tabs and windows and keeping on top of this <sighs> this crazy thing that we call the Blue Men Group. So that's right, uh, business we call show. Yep, yeah. This is uh, this is such an exercise in show business. Um, <laughs> every day we we just. You know, we may not be unionized with some of the largest uh, uh, unions out in Hollywood, California, but, you know, we're doing our own thing out here. We're up against the network. Somebody just stop me. Just we need to Ron get... keeps Ron keeps uh, <laughs> blocking all of our efforts to unionize. Um, yeah. So he keeps. So anyway, we, we need, need to, to because... <laughs> uh, focus on the show here uh, and keep complaints to a minimum. Also, John, weren't you supposed to fix that clock that's blinking noon? I looked at the manual, but it's in Indonesian. <laughs> you know, I can't read it's it. It's in your middle name there, buddy. Yeah. All right. So um, let's get right to it. Oh, wait. I have to compliment you guys. Oh, whoops. Um, as someone who's no longer unemployed and who was unemployed for the last year, I'm complimenting you guys on maintaining your streak of not having real jobs. Thank ah, you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Congrats. you. I, yes. I deliver groceries, John. So that oh, is a real true. job. Um <laughs> I put myself into grocery stores all the time, uh, risking COVID-19. And getting trampled. And that last butterball turkey. Yeah. 
Actually, here's the thing. I'm, I know people at the grocery store because I was there so much that uh, last Thanksgiving, not the one, no, two Thanksgivings ago, the guy gave me a turkey at the really? uh, checkout because it didn't have, a, it didn't have a, a, a tag on it. Wow. And, and he came over to the, because I always do self-checkout, and he came over and he's like, he, he knew who, and he was like, just put it in your bag. I was like, thank you so much, man. He's Whoa. Like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> Keep on the down. Organic awesome. Meyer turkey. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. So let's get into it with my favorite segment of the Blue Men Group show. What's in the news? Wait, don't we need to do this week in history? Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Wait. Ron? Ah. <sighs> The the wheel. The, I'm picturing Rom is so like a, excited for the what's in the news because I know because I, I described it as my favorite thing. Uh, it, it just I'm imagining like a bicycle right now, and I'm on the bicycle, and the wheels have just fallen off of it. Ron, and, you and, would have failed the marshmallow test. I yeah. don't know what that means. You'll but, find out later in the episode. Okay. Um. Essentially, I I apologize. Listen, this is my <laughs> apologies to the to the audience that I skipped one of the most popular segments. It's yes. This week this in, history. in history. March 1st, 1932. The infant son of Charles Lindbergh is kidnapped from the aviator's home near Hopewell, New Jersey. More than two months later, the child's remains are found near the Lindbergh home. Bruno Hauptmann is convicted of the baby's kidnap and murder. He dies in the electric chair, insisting to the end that he's innocent. Wow. Okay, so Charles Lindbergh killed his son. Um, right. <laughs> and then blamed his, it on some guy. Blamed it on a German guy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about the Lindbergh baby. I just know that, um, uh, it obviously is a baby, um, that, yeah. that can go unsaid, but sort of the proto baby Jessica in the well story. Yes. Thank you, John. Yeah. Definitely. For our listeners. Yeah. An obsession, America's obsession with lost babies. And it came at a time when everyone really hated German people. That That's too. also true. But think about this because the one thing that i do know about charles Lindbergh was that he was essentially a national socialist he was a nazi yeah he was like a nazi he loved germany he had an uh, uh illegitimate child over somewhere in bavaria i believe um well that's what he was dropping from the plane <laughs> loads loads of babies but uh it is weird that he his kid was taken from him i guess that is pretty weird. Yeah. And then no one really could figure out what happened and they just Yeah, they blamed some German they found guy. A hun to but yeah, frame. it seems like probably the Lindbergh parents uh did it to the baby. Or maybe yeah. they accidentally killed the baby and then they were too ashamed because Charles Lindbergh at the time was, was such a hero. Such an American hero, yeah. Yeah, and I, he was he was uh, very adamant about non intervention in World War Two. um yeah and he publicly stated support for nazi oh sorry he never publicly supported (laughs) Uh, you almost libeled charles Lindbergh. i know um another legal kerfuffle for you to step around yeah i know uh we yeah our lawyers we we have retained many lawyers uh yeah so it's weird that his his little kid also named uh charles jr Maybe they got confused and thought that he was the real Charles Lindbergh. They saw it. They were like, well, a lot. he's a lot smaller than I imagined. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to assassinate him nonetheless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like um, 
and around this time, parents just like really weren't paying attention to the whereabouts of their children. They didn't Hell really no. care about them. They just named them after themselves. They couldn't be like <laughs> troubled to like come yes. up with a new name. They like didn't, you know, there wasn't like a special thing to have a kid. Yeah, yeah. babysitting was invented 10 years later. Charles Lindbergh's yeah. like flying around the world constantly. He has like a brood of children at home that he's ignoring, <laughs> yeah. naming all of them Charles. Where's Charles Jr.? And then it's like, oh, I thought you had him. And it's like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so by late 1935, the hysteria surrounding the case, uh, meaning the, the, the lost kid, uh, had driven the Lindbergh family into exile in Europe. Oh, they must have loved that. Um, <laughs> from which they returned in 1939. <laughs> oh, good time to, to check out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I f he was probably yeah feeling maybe I wonder how he was feeling about the Nazis at the time. <laughs> yeah, I so there, we, we, there's lots of uh, I'm looking right now and you can see this on Wikipedia, the uh, wanted posters for Chaz A. Lindbergh Jr. of Hopewell, New Jersey, uh, son of Colonel chaz a Lindbergh, world famous aviator um they they have a lot of specifics here that the child was kidnapped between 8 and 10 p.m uh on tuesday march 1st 1932 uh 20 months old height mm -hmm. 29 inches <laughs> deep <laughs> dimple in center of chin yeah <laughs> so i don't know it, it, it just okay so the 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 uh kid died though that sucks well allegedly they said that it was the crime of the century kind of early to to say early that early in the century <laughs> they didn't know that oj simpson was going to happen um yeah yeah in addition to later. a myriad of other uh important crimes yeah so richard hauptman i know that you um you Didn't know, got it, zapped by the electric chair. Uh, who knows if he did it or not? I am firmly on the uh, side of Charles Lindbergh killed his own child. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just an allegation, just a speculation. That's more retroactive libel that you're engaging yes. in. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll never truly figure out the case, but, in a, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting story. Yeah, maybe Charles Lindbergh, um, or maybe Richard Hauptman would have gotten off if instead of killing the Lindbergh baby, he just threw it down a well. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that that would have been easier. Um, again, the uh, trial of the century and Hauptman was named the most hated man in the world. <laughs> At a time um, when Hitler was in power. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This was like the other German you could be mad at. Yeah. Um, right. The German like a you scapegoat. could reach out and touch. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there, there, there's a lot here. Uh, uh, so on September 15th, 1934, a bank teller realized that the serial number on a $10 gold certificate deposited by a gas station. Wait, a gas station like walked in and deposited something? That doesn't make any sense. Was on the list of Lindbergh ransom bills. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what this means. On the bill's margin, the attendant had written the license plate number of the customer's car, which turned out to be Hauptman's. Whoa. Hauptman was then placed under surveillance by the New York City Police Department, New Jersey State Police, and the FBI. Sounds like a frame up, if you ask me. Four days later, Hauptman realized he was being watched and attempted to escape, speeding and running through red lights. He was captured after finding himself blocked by a truck on Park Avenue. 
just north of Tremont Avenue in the Bronx. Damn. It could be an Ein Innocent. Yeah. He's he's uh okay. Well let's 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 leave the uh Lindbergh family alone. I think they should uh be able to um you know mourn in peace. Uh and that takes us to our next segment. What's in the news? All right. So what's in the news? We have uh, something here on the docket. Um, listen, you look at that globe, throw the globe out the window. I want you to look up into the stars. We're going to <laughs> outer space, everybody. Um, here's the headline. First ever space hotel slated to be in operation by 2027. That's really optimistic. That's like in a few. That's that's, that's hey it's really that's soon, soon. <laughs> that's really soon that's really soon uh, so i'm i'm looking to be get out of the uh, grocery store game and maybe be like a bellhop at the I would space love to be a space bellhop space bellhop i always thought that would be a kind of a cool job i i kind of wanted that job in college like i work at like a fancy hotel as the door guy or something you get the uniform mm-hmm. i think it'd be fun hat. i yeah, get absolutely. to talk to people Absolutely. I get to like regale people with my uh, useless knowledge and stuff like that. And doing yeah, it in dude. space is that much more exciting. Also, you like bring up like a widow's bags or whatever. And she's like, you know, she makes an advance on you. It's like, you know, nighttime. Sure. I'll, I'm, 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 I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'll also take um, tips like uh, $5 <laughs> and up. Mm-hmm. You can, you can give me whatever actually. That a whole- dollar's good too. That whole thing of just standing in the room after you like bring someone up there and just waiting and just mm-hmm. no. wait for the tip. Could be anything else. So um, this space hotel, uh, I don't know who who owns it or like how it's getting up there. I'm, I mean, we can learn about that in the article. But uh, <laughs> this decade, we'll see a start and completion of construction on humanity's first hotel <laughs> in <laughs> outer space, according to a group behind it. Uh, orbital assembly which that, sounds extremely like, descriptive and like technical of what their job is yeah, yeah it sounds yeah. like um <laughs> to, it sounds like orbital the uh the the you know like 90s kind of british techno thing and like frontline assembly or something like that mm-hmm. a f- few bands here also I, um, I love the the characterization of humanity's first hotel in outer space yeah yeah as if there were things other than humanity building hotels in outer space and also right. as or if that, like it would be collectively owned by humanity uh, in general right yeah. like what aspect of humanity is denied like the ability to check into any hotel isn't that kind of the whole point of hotels is that all of humanity can like check in like people who are traveling right uh yeah if you have the money that's the thing uh, uh so is this one free the space um one? <laughs> well in space we they use a uh, cryptocurrency or something um this so is funny the I'm on their orbital assemblies website and uh, it's not good. I will say it mm-hmm. looks very similar to the website that I built in high school for my <laughs> band modal, um, yeah. which never exist. We, we played together once, but I built a website. Um, There's also, they're using the classic sci-fi font. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, a, that's a tell right there that they, that they don't have a lot of other things to impress you with right now. No, and and the the only two buttons that I mean, there's a few buttons that you could click, but the call to action, let's say, when you hit this website, is build to suit, 
and invest. <laughs> so, so I just clicked on invest. It's looking like this is a, a sort of a, a business designed to get investment and then and then spend that investment money elsewhere, not on building the uh, the space hotel, which will Absolutely. probably never actually be built. Absolutely. Correct. And when you when you keep clicking this invest button, it takes you to a website called netcapital.com. <laughs> and there's just a button that says invest. <laughs> and they, they want your money. Um, there's a bunch of pictures here. There's uh, like what they're going to, I don't even know. Assembly robots. Errant object retrieval drones. Like, You're going to need a couple of those. What the hell? So, so their are timeline. These, are these construction drones unionized? Um, oh God, Do they get no. like, like Teamsters, like get really long breaks and stuff? No, so they're, John, they're not unionized, but they are baptized, <laughs> which is a weird, I know that is weird, but um, so th I'm just, I'm a bit miffed um, looking at their, their timeline. It's, I just don't think it's going to happen. The timeline mm -hmm. is really funny because it's a, a, a line graph of company milestones and every single milestone is in the future and not in the they're past. Like, yeah. They're listing all of their future achievements and they have, it would appear to be no way to get there. Well, yeah. yeah, and one of their achievements is uh, the the YouTube video gets 1.5 million views, which is nothing. <laughs> That's not going to help you build, like people being aware of that you want to do this doesn't necessarily right. mean that you're going to, yeah, build it or something but like. Let's that. get into the article. This this gets into some of the amenities that are supposed to be offered in this space hotel when it is finished, if it ever mm -hmm. is finished. Uh, guests won't be paying only for the novelty of the setting. There will be a slew of onboard amenities, including themed restaurants, a health spa, a cinema, gyms, libraries, concert venues, earth viewing lounges and bars, <laughs> in addition to rooms for 400 people. Necessities, including crew quarters, air, water, and power, will also take up a portion of the space facility. Themed yeah. restaurants? Like, what? Like Earth-themed or alien-themed? Yeah. Like, why do you? It, why does it need a theme? Like, can it just? Isn't already, it enough that it's a it's restaurant in space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, also, imagine like you're in space, and then you're like, let's go watch a movie. Like, that just seems. It's nuts. gonna be the Rainforest <laughs> Cafe in space. It's just gonna be like the Yoda Burger. The gym. Like, what are you doing at the gym when you're in space? You're <laughs> well, in fucking space. You don't need to go to the gym. I could actually see the gym as being one of the oh, be... only essential components in that, like, because you're in artificial gravity, you're probably going to be needing to, like, work your body out in all kinds of uh, unforeseen ways. But yeah, yeah, who goes to watch a movie in a movie theater when you're literally able to look at the earth, earth. from a window? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it, they're, if that's they're only not enough be for screening you. Star Wars as well. I mean, it's just yeah, going right. to be all the J.J. Abrams Star Wars movies. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it'd be nothing but space movies. Apollo 13 on loop. Um, yeah. Earth viewing lounges. It, it just seems addition uh, to rooms for 400 people. It's just going to be a mess. Yeah. I know it's going to happen, but it's going to be a mess. Um, I also on the website, one of the amenities listed is. Uh, the, one of the first messages you see on the website is we provide gravity. So that's yeah. another thing you're paying for. Yeah, you, you, yeah, good. Good that gravity is provided. Yeah, because I was going to bring my up BYOG, but it seems as though if they have it. <laughs> so also these renders that they have are absolutely insane. It's you have so to look funny. at them. 
Yeah, they so, have these images that are kind of yeah, like modern, sleek, minimal design decor with a Airbnb. A tasteful chandelier yeah. in the rugs uh, on room. rugs, and then a window that looks out onto the earth itself. And then like a couple, so they and you've you've seen these kind of architectural renderings where the uh, the the humans look very out of place and that kind of stuff. So that's what we see here. I, right now, I'm looking at the New York Post uh, um, article on this, and it just looks it looks like maybe my dad found a uh, like a 3d rendering program that came with his windows laptop or something like that <laughs> and then put it on space mode and then started a uh, GoFundMe or something to <laughs> to make a space hotel essentially all right this is this Wait, is hold what on. i'm go back down because i'm looking at this rendering the uh, the one of uh, the old people in it and mm -hmm. there's sinks in the you can see that there's like a his oh, and yeah. hers sink set yeah yeah there doesn't appear to be toilets no so where yeah. in space are you supposed to like relieve yourself? You've got to just hold it in the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> or it, like um, it's shot out into space. On the financial front, Orbital Assembly hopes to also sell portions of the hotel to permanent stakeholders, including government agencies okay. looking to use the site as a training center or landlords looking to create a villa aboard the craft. Oh my God. Uh, oh. They'll sell to anyone. So yeah. landlords will be in space soon enough. Or Don't the military, worry. either one. And yeah. uh, it will reportedly circle the globe every 90 minutes, and the circle's rotation will generate artificial gravity similar to that on the moon. No construction costs have been revealed. So the artificial gravity <laughs> will be kind of bouncy. Wait, that's such a funny, like, last quick like sentence in the article no construction costs have been revealed they have yeah. no idea how much this thing is exactly it, it could be like trillions of dollars it could be like it 55 be. bucks right yeah <laughs> um yeah getting all of the materials construction materials into outer space to build i don't think that's happening in six years to be honest no um but this is a great way to uh it's a press release it's a, it's a press release for some a press release masquerading as news Mm -hmm. um for some you know mid-level rich guy who's trying to raise more money to take to some other higher level rich guy who will give him more money and well, then uh it's all going to be jumbled and bungled and yeah um well here's a quote from one of those rich guys this yes. will be the next industrial revolution said john blinkow the founder of gateway foundation which will run some of the Voyager's pods, according to the Daily Mail. Some of the Voyager's pods. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking at John <laughs> Blinko right now. He's worked as a pilot for 24 years, flying all over the world in such aircrafts as Boeing 757, DC-10, and Boeing 747-400. Uh, his experience as a pilot instructor, United Airlines, Boeing, Flight Safety. Okay, so he's a pilot, and, mm -hmm. and he's in charge of the whole thing. Um. I don't know. I'm looking at the their their team here. These uh, oh, oh, another quote from John Blinko that's really funny. People need gravity so their bodies won't fall apart, Blinko explained. <laughs> hmm. <Wow. laughs> that's not a very reassuring uh, thing yeah. to remember as you uh, get ready to go to the space hotel. I, I can imagine using your credit card to buy the multi-month gold package stay. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine like uh, the 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 whoever's writing this press release slash article thing is like, is there anything else you want to add, Mister Blinko? 
Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> people need gravity so their bodies won't fall apart. <laughs> Make sure you include that in the. And they're like, okay, let's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Noted. We'll get that in there. Noted. And um, thanks for the phone call, Mr. Blinko. And good luck. <laughs> I bet you, like, these people can't. Like build a regular hotel, then we'll then we'll talk about the spaceship hotel. It is kind of nice. We talked about this a little bit, but it is kind of nice to think about it being real. Like that's true. Imagine it's sort of like the same thing with that Arctic uh, science base with Mm -hmm. the uh, a story we had before with the man who lost his wallet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just thinking about some people hanging out like in the lobby of the space hotel feels kind of nice. It does. Well, that that's the thing, and I I was. uh, just talking about how I really, really, really enjoyed space and learning about space as a kid and, and just always been kind of interested, but it sucks that space has been sullied by uh, like annoying billionaire people um, who have like kind of ruined the interest in space and all their like dorky followers yeah. um, have, have kind of uh soured and sullied uh, my interested my interest in space and by when i say sully that is an, an a nod to uh <laughs> no, sully sullenberger the cat yeah. the uh, captain of that uh that plane that went down in in the hudson but um i don't know if i'm going to be at the at the space hotel i i listen if john goes i'll go that's Rencon, that's what i'm saying we should have at the space hotel yeah rencon yeah. 2030 we can do that rencon 2030 uh we'll be at the space hotel So let's move on to a uh, another story that we have here in the news. Uh, I want you to take a look uh, at your globe. Look at all the blue parts. Okay, that's water. <laughs> that's that's where we want to be. And um, this article is titled "This Surprising Cephalopod Challenges Our Understanding of Human Evolution." Yeah, this is an interesting story um, because it's apparently mollusks or cuttlefish in in particular have now passed a test that uh, is designed for human children. So they are, you know, about imagine uh, Charles Lindbergh Jr. Yes. Imagine that level of intelligence applied to a cuttlefish. That's how you should contextualize how smart cuttlefish are now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also mentioned this before, but According to new research, the cephalopod has a trick hidden up its tentacles, or rather, its large brain. Oh. It reveals one surprising aspect of this creature's intelligence. Self-control. Which Ron failed to demonstrate earlier when he jumped ahead from Yeah, true. that's true. What's in the news? Yes. I, cephalopod I am... would have covered what's in the news before. <laughs> I mean, would have covered uh, this week in history before moving on to what's in the news. I know. And self-control is something that I have uh, very little of. And... Um... I've always a, kind of heated to cephalopods. Do a mano y mano of Ron ecstasy versus a cephalopod. Yeah. M- Are Ron you smarter a- than a cephalopod? <laughs> Hosted by Tim F- Jim Foxworthy or whatever Jim, his name is. Jeff Foxworthy. The yeah. test, the marshmallow test for context is you put a marshmallow in front of a child and then you tell it that in 10 minutes, if it doesn't eat it, it will get two marshmallows. Which sounds like I could pass that test very easily. How did they but tell apparently... the cephalopod that in 10 minutes it was going to get another marshmallow? Yeah. <laughs> Does the cephalopod of... know what a marshmallow is? Well, instead of marshmallows, the preferred treat was some live grass. Oh, okay. shrimp. Oh, live grass shrimp. The less preferred choice was a bit of raw king prawn, mm. which I would prefer mm. the prawn over the uh, yeah. 
live shrimp, but mm-hmm. uh, it was it had a preferred preferred prey and a and a uh, like an acceptable prey, mm. and if it waited longer from the preferred prey, it would get two. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's so, so cool, and they're so they very cute. To, they are very cute. Yeah, yeah. they look like a a uh, bag. Yeah. <laughs> They do look like a bag. Yeah, that's true. But like it looks like, like a, a bag in the water. Bag in the water. Yeah, they're that's smart. the way I I see them. Yeah, they're they're smart. They're cute. I guess like I w- what I'm trying to say is like I don't know if they make a good pet. Yeah, maybe not. Well, maybe it seems not. like you could train it to do tricks. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly got the brains for it. It's like that thing where you put a treat on a dog's nose and you say "stay." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it has to wait there. Do that yeah. with a cuttlefish. You could do that with a cuttlefish with a bit of raw prawn. I can imagine, <laughs> I can imagine them doing this test right at the uh, at the laboratory with their with the cephalopod, and then quickly looking over their shoulder to see if Richard <laughs> Hauptmann, the uh, the man who allegedly killed the Lindbergh baby, see if the he's anywhere hug. near. Yeah. Even though he was fried in the electrical chair in 1936, uh, well, just he, he he lives on and and and. You know, small children and smart uh, cephalopods are uh, they're aware of him. If the <laughs> if the cuttlefish goes missing, then we'll first turn to Richard Hauptmann the fourth. We'll start investigating or... the the local German population. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we need to German know communities. Yeah, yeah. So these, uh, let's see, the marshmallow test, uh, Michel tested preschool age children's willpower. Okay, yeah, yeah, we 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 know that, but these uh cuttlefish like should we be worried that they're going to potentially learn more and then engage in further education and potentially yes. post-secondary education let mm-hmm. me answer your rhetorical question ron yes we should be worried <laughs> by 2030 Absolutely. there the space hotel will be up and running and cuttlefish will have developed a you know a, a kind of class consciousness a politics a, mm-hmm. a sense of self-understanding they'll have an undersea community kingdom and you'll be able to check in at both yeah mm-hmm. well it kind of makes sense like it seems as though a cuttlefish uh would be good in outer space because they have that bag quality that i was describing <laughs> yeah that kind of like they can just like like i don't want to say walk or whatever they just like you know they that yeah. bag they look like a bag is all i'm trying to say and um <laughs> in space that would help so i'm imagining that if anything there's probably one of the reasons a, a lot of the uh, gross billionaires want to go to outer space is there's no laws out there and it's uh mm-hmm. it's free real mm-hmm. estate so to speak as yeah. uh, tim heidecker would say and um I think that if they get a bunch of these cephalopods up there, they can probably train them. And it's not considered like child labor because they mm-hmm. have the brains of a child, but there's no laws up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no labor laws. So right. that's another big uh, missing piece to the whole space hotel thing is what, what laws will govern the space hotel? Well, these robots that will be constructing at an orbital assembly will, apparently are not unionized. So there's probably not a lot of rules. Yeah. But they are baptized. Let's not but forget that. Um, yeah, so cuttlefish eating shrimp, uh, big ass, Avoiding large prawns instead of marshmallows. Children children eating marshmallows, cephalopods eating shrimp. It's a fucking crazy world out there. <laughs> um, who knows what the hell's going on anymore, really? Uh, it, to put this into context, <laughs> this is... Um, <laughs> I, I'm I John says we should be worried. Uh I 
I, I mean, I have to agree. Kids have not been in school for the past years. We need to get the kids back in the classroom. They need to be competing with these cuttlefish. Yeah, we yeah. the cuttlefish. We've been, we 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 have not been in the classroom for so long that the cuttlefish are starting to study <laughs> up and overtake uh, the good space uh, hotel jobs that are going to exist in the next. 10 years guys it's the new industrial revolution <laughs> we need gravity so our bodies don't fall apart <laughs> but i don't know cuttlefish i was uh extremely ignorant about them before we started and i think that i don't know much more about them after this so uh i, I it is surprising that they they have brains and and are essentially little children um and they're at, zen they can yeah, they're, they're demonstrate self-control. Um, they, they delay gratification to snag their higher quality prey. We, and then they were able to delay for a considerable period of time, ranging from 50 to 130 seconds. That's more than I can do. Um, the cuttlefish showed comparable capacities for self-control to what we see in apes, corvids, and parrots. Oh. So wait, is the children are also on that level? Yeah. Wow. Children are like a blue jay <laughs> um, or a uh, parrot. Parrots, again, I've said this before, the uh, absolute worst gift you can give somebody uh, because they live, some parrots live to be like 100 years old. So mm -hmm. if you really dislike somebody, give them a parrot as a gift and they'll have to take care of that for the rest of their life. Nice. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay, so in, in, in the news here, we have a, uh, I, I don't want to say friend of the show. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not against him. He's not an enemy of the show. Yeah, right. Osama bin Laden's son is an <laughs> avid painter of Americana. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Osama bin Laden. He was a um, <laughs> Saudi national who went on a few adventures in the 1980s into <laughs> a country called Afghanistan and um, hated Soviets uh, and then eventually ended up hating Americans too. So he has unknown, I don't know how many kids he has. I know Osama bin Laden is one of like 52 kids apparently. Yeah. Um, but his son, Omar bin Laden, is the fourth eldest of Osama bin Laden's sons and he loves to paint Americana. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, the article goes on to say, in a rare interview, Omar, 39, told Vice, interview with Vice, uh, that classic Western flicks such as Clint Eastwood's 1992 film Unforgiven, his favorite, serve as inspiration for the man whom Vice dubs the, quote, heir apparent of Al-Qaeda. That's such a stupid <laughs> thing so to say. so sleazy. Oh His work, a, na a, a naive style defined by its rudimentary use of color and brushstroke, often depicts the indicative elements of Westerns, such as desert landscapes with cacti, train tracks, and dried bones. 
classics. I like old Western films, Omar said. I respect cowboys. I love cowboy <laughs> dignity. <laughs> I love cowboy dignity. Does he respect George Bush? Bro. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, I think it shouldn't go unnoted that like so many uh, of the figures related to 9-11 and the resulting war in Iraq have, have, have turned to painting as a yeah, way of dealing right. with their PTSD and their, you know, their issues Very from, true. from the time. Yeah. George W. Bush is now a painter as well as one of Osama bin Laden's sons. Yeah, yeah. and in the Vice article, uh, the subheading is, we spoke to Omar bin Laden about his traumatic youth and his artistic fascination with the Wild West. So we, I mean, we have to be aware of how traumatic his youth was. I can only imagine how... Uh, you know, your dad orchestrating uh, global chaos is uh, yeah. probably pretty traumatic. And, you know, what what better uh, way to address that than mixing a few colors together, you know, and, and uh, throwing it up on the, the uh, on the uh, canvas. Yeah. So he at 16, Omar bin Laden was uh, on the front lines of the Afghan Civil War. Hmm. Whoa. Um, so he he has seen combat, and in addition to that, the whole 9/11 thing, yeah. which uh, Omar has publicly condemned. Oh, okay, good. Um, and he now resides in the French countryside of Normandy. Oh, uh, nice. Huh? How so nice. He grew up, and it says he grew up in Arizona. So we went, you know, it's like a desert hopper, but now he lives yeah. in Normandy. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Growing up in Arizona, and they're like, you're at like Taco Bell or something. They're like, name with the name on yeah. your order. You're like, uh, uh ben Omar. <laughs> I get a last name. It's like, mm. nah, Bush. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So in one of his paintings, he recreates the spiny mountains of Tora Bora, where his father went to hide in the wake of September 11th, 2001. Mm hmm. 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 How about that? You know what I'd love to see is a major um, art exhibit pairing George this. W. Bush's paintings with Omar bin Laden's paintings. Yes, I was and just thinking that would be such a good show. Do you know where I want to see it happen? Where? In the hallways of the Space Hotel. <laughs> so when you walk around the Space Hotel, all the art that is on the walls is either from Omar bin Laden or George W. Bush. And you have to yeah. figure out which ones. And I know that George W. does more uh, portraits like uh, and stuff. portraits yeah and but i think that will pair nicely with these bin laden paintings because you know george w does paint he does the portraits of like uh troops who were over there mm -hmm. and then omar is doing kind of americana like bringing it home he's bringing the war home so to speak and mm -hmm. uh they're sort of melding geographically you know like mm -hmm. the saudi deserts and, and the american deserts yeah yeah Absolutely. It's, it's very interesting. I think his paintings, they're... Oh, um, there's a pirate ship. Okay. So he's, yeah. he, has a, you know, he has a pretty broad range of subject matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, his paintings are very good. You should look them up. Omar bin Laden's uh, paintings. Very yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like... It, it, it is kind of like outsider art kind of it stuff. Did, like, yeah. Um, the, I would see this at the, uh, the, the, the awesome uh, um, Intuit Gallery in uh, Chicago where there's like... Uh, <laughs> really amazing outsider american outsider art um yeah it's so it's wild i mean how i i i don't know like how this made the news i like that it is news i'm i'm like 
supremely interested in Omar bin Laden. Like, I can mm -hmm. only imagine what the fuck this guy has to say. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's so much going on here. Like, now that he's into painting Americana stuff and he loves Clint Eastwood movies and like, it's so strange. I respect cowboys. He respects cowboys. Uh, well, in the Bush family's, you know, legacy, like in the Middle East as well. I mean, oh, yeah. like the, the, the parallels between those families uh, run deep and, and the ironies, you know. Yeah. I mean, George too. W. Bush is also basically the son of, I mean, he's the son of George Bush Sr. And so yeah. there's this weird thing of like the son's painting. Yeah, the son's After painting to relieve, you know, the stress and the strain of, the of these kind of like bloodthirsty fathers. Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly, thank you. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah, he says, the dual function of Omar's art, it was a way for him to crystallize the serenity of his childhood in Saudi Arabia and his new life in France, while at the same time grappling with the trauma of everything that happened in between. Notably, this struggle is often backdropped against the scenery of the American West, an ironic flourish given Osama's acrimony towards that particular part of the world. <laughs> I think Osama's acrimony is he like... He hates the West. Yeah, it's a bit of a... He hates... You know, but when you say the West, it's not, the, you know, the, the empire. He's talking about specifically like the Southwest. Yeah, that, that is... That is you know, like that's John Ford right. Movies. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to speak with Omar. I, uh, personally don't want to be sending, uh, you know, emails to Omar bin Laden. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the way to go, but if we could get Omar onto the show, that would be amazing. If somebody yeah. else, uh, listener wants to help out with that, we'd be more than obliged. <laughs> Just send them, uh, John's way and John yeah, yeah. will organize that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you, Omar. That's the the, the last time I will thank a Bin Laden. <laughs> All right, everybody, let's uh, let's as we wrap things up here. I would like to make a quick update. Um, now, if you remember, last week we discussed uh, a spider. Uh, you may remember it was a specific type of spider. It was the Mediterranean. Uh, what was it called? Recluse. <laughs> Mediterranean uh, recluse spider. Along comes a spider. Okay. Yeah. So very reclusive, very mm -hmm. Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Also very on spider. Undergraduate degree. Yes. Where so that that was the story. So there, uh, some people found uh, these these this Mediterranean recluse spider in the stacks at the Shapiro Library at the University of Michigan, uh, and. We wanted to know more. I reached out to uh, the professor at the University of Michigan who who identified these spiders. And this is just an arachnid update that we would like to give. It's a new new segment on the show. Um, so again, we received an update from the chair of the biology discipline slash associate professor of biology at the college's, excuse me, the College of Arts, Science, and Letters at University of Michigan, Dearborn, uh, Dr. Danielson Francois. And the official correspondence goes, Dear Mark, that's me. Thank you so much for your interest, but I am not able to do the interview. That's okay. However, I can send you some information on this species that might prove helpful to your podcast. I've attached it here, and it is a lovely article on this particular species that will answer some of your questions. 
So uh, I did get a, a PDF. Um, it is very nice. Is it oh, yeah. We haven't even seen this. Yeah, you haven't shared it with us. No. Can you see it on the yeah. screen? Okay. So this recluse is... recluse spider. Yeah. Um, an, an abundant but cryptic inhabitant of deep infrastructure in the Washington, D.C. area. So this... This article that uh, the the professor sent to me has to do with a, a, a case of these spiders um, crawling underneath our nation's capital. Um, and I Spiders listen, below the ground in D.C., spiders above the ground in D.C. There we go, John. There we go. I, I got to be honest, I didn't read the article. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> it's very, very long. Very technical. It's very yeah. technical. I looked at all the pictures, though, that shows uh, the the apex of the tibia of a right male palpus dorsal view gross. <laughs> this is um, gross. it's hairy it's hairy and Super it's hiding in. in the basements of washington dc yeah and, and then there's Mich university of michigan there's some sort of uh uh advertisement for the 57th annual meeting of the entomological society of america here we go oh this we was should... in 2009 excuse me this was uh, 11 years ago I wonder if this information is even relevant. 12 years ago. Can we go to the 63rd uh, Entomological Society meetup? I would love to, John. Yeah, um, we should look into it. And dress up as a spider. Yeah. <laughs> you That's like what spider truthers. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, although, um, you know, the uh, chair of the biology discipline at the uh, University of Michigan Dearborn, Dr. Danielson Francois was unable to join us this week on the podcast. We do thank her for the, uh, the, the, the awesome uh, information. Yeah. That she I would sent also like over. to personally um, thank Dr. Danielson Francois for including an article that is at the adult level of comprehension and not like a child's. I'm yes. sure she gets like yeah. child emails. Yeah. yeah like she did. Third grade classes. She didn't she talk to us like us. adults. Yeah. No. I, I sent the email um, in crayon, and she still responded with uh, a full professional um, academic response. A so, journally peer-reviewed. Peer-reviewed. Yep, everything. It's got it all. So thank you very much, um, Dr. Danielson Francois. We appreciate it, and we will be keeping an eye on spiders uh, in libraries and underneath the ground in Washington, D.C. That takes us to our next segment, Animal Trial of the Week. All right, so... Um, this, this is such is, a good popular segment, too. Yeah, this has been one of the most popular segments. And again, as you know, last week we interviewed uh, uh, Thomas Ramsey, who owns a uh, chicken named Peep, um, who mentioned cockfighting. Now... Yes. We don't condone cockfighting. Listen, the only cockfighting I want you doing is... Uh... Go on. So... <laughs> um, but anyway, the title of the article is Murder Most Foul? Fighting cock that killed owner with three-inch knife to appear in court in India. Yeah. So a rooster named Raja will appear in court in India... By the way, India is a massive country, so yeah. I'm sure there's like at least two or three courts there. It'll be really easy for you to find on the atlas. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Your globe. Yeah. Um, so rooster named Raja will appear in court in India after he killed his owner with a knife <laughs> while attempting to flee an illegal cockfight. The incident took place on February 23rd in the uh, Jag- Jagtial district in the Indian state of Telangana. Um, Raja was uh, brought by his owner to a cockfight in the Yalama temple on the outskirts of Lothaner village. Okay, there's a lot of name local names this now. This is a lot. Yeah, it's difficult to. Um, so the uh, the owner affixed a three inch knife, known as a Cody Kati, to the rooster's leg before sending it into the fighting arena. That sounds illegal. Yeah, the whole thing sounds. It's just really sad. Well, I think cockfighting fighting itself is illegal. Yeah, it seems maybe like a not really in India. Bad thing to do. No, it's illegal in India. Okay. I think it says it in the article. Oh. Uh, when Raja attempted to flee the fighting ground, Satish, who's the owner, caught him, but the blade attached to the cock's leg pierced the man's groin. Hmm. He the bled to death. him in the groin. He bled to death soon after. Damn. That Do you think is groin fucked. is a the classic euphemism for penis here? I think so. Yeah, think maybe the guy so. Got yeah, cock on cock violence. Yeah. yeah, that's the true cock fight right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Raja has been cooped up at a local police station since the incident. That is the uh, the, the, <laughs> the 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 chicken, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, though no foul play is suspected. You're using it, this pun twice in this article. A bird, yeah. A, to keep tabs here. But also, I do believe that it the foul play is exactly what happened. Um. <laughs> Instead, the rooster will soon be produced in court. Like, what are they going to do with it? As a part of the evidence uh, in the case against some 15 people who participated in the cockfight. Yeah. Um, so do you think this, they're going to interview it? Yeah, the chicken's going to tattle on everyone that was there. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Absolutely. For a small fight, just trying to flee. Yeah. I, when I first read the article, it said, because uh, it's a little vague, but the rooster appeared in court after he killed his owner with a knife while attempting to flee. Which makes it sound like it could have either been the rooster or the owner who was trying to flee because it's an illegal cockfight. Right. But it turns out that he was the rooster was trying to escape. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I hope that this rooster finds freedom and you know a uh, a life of uh, kind of pastoral relaxation. Yeah. It should become like a ward of the state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just an hero. open field. Um, they should attach some metals to it before they let it out, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hope they don't like just kind of like uh, in court roast it or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. That would like be they just end up eating it. Unfair. Um, that would be unfair. That so, would not be uh, the most dignified form of legal uh, practice. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, so uh, John is right. The uh, cockfighting is an illegal activity. Um, and uh, these these people, these 15 people that they're looking for uh, could also be potentially charged with manslaughter, illegal gambling, and hosting a cockfight, mm-hmm. which is something you do not want on your record. You, you, you would hate to uh, you know, apply for that new job, and then they're like, so what happened here? And you're like, mm, damn it, mm. I was hosting some cockfights, and I was <laughs> putting little uh, knives on them, and, uh, and my buddy died. It? Yeah. He started bleeding like- out of his groin. That feels like cheating to me. If you're having a cockfight and you're arming them with weapons, yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, it sounds barbaric in the first place, but to then also include like a three-inch knife. 
Yeah, it seems a little decadent. Yeah, it it is, and um, I don't I don't think we should be attaching affixing uh, uh, knives to to animals, personally speaking. But uh, that leads us to another article. Uh, yeah, I was doing a little poking around, and uh, there's apparently a whole history of animals being put on trial. Um, now, in this case with the rooster, the rooster is not on trial. Mm-hmm. It's going to be used as evidence. Mm-hmm. But apparently, there are still cases of animal trials and putting animals specifically at the center of a legal argument. Mm-hmm. Um, although we th- often think of strange lawsuits as an American pastime, medieval Europe has the U.S. beat. For centuries, the courts of France, Italy, Switzerland, and other nearby countries tried pigs, dogs, rats, grasshoppers, and snails for crimes against people, property, and God. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine a grasshopper on trial. That's for a so crime strange. against God. Yeah. yeah. But apparently, so uh, the, um, the split was while domestic animals fell under the jurisdiction of civil and criminal courts, like pigs, foxes, wolves, goats, asses, bulls, cows, dogs, horses, and sheep, uh, and would have been summarily executed by hanging or burning after a guilty verdict. Ecclesiastical tribunals handled all vermin, from field mice, rats, and moles, to bugs, beetles, eels, leeches, locusts, serpents, snails, termites, weevils, and worms. Despite Uh, being unlikely candidates for Catholicism, vermin were punished with excommunication, not execution. (laughs) Wow. Oh my god. (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. Then there's a there's like a drawing of a uh, pig uh, on the stand, and then like <laughs> a lot of people pointing and stuff. But then in the background, I don't know if you can see this. It looks like there's I know you, the listener can't see this, but there's looks like there's a pig raising their hand <laughs> in court. Yeah, about to yeah. testify. Well, that's the pig's legal defense. Yeah, yeah, the pig has a pig lawyer. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. And there's two stories in this article about pigs being put on trial. Both are very interesting. One of them is like described very like richly. Uh, hmm. In 1386, in the old Norman city of Falaise, a vast and motley crowd gathered to witness the execution of a convicted murderer. Spectators donned their best velvet and feathers. Wow. The prisoner was given a new suit for the occasion, and an artist memorialized the scene in fresco. The aforementioned criminal was a pig, which had indulged in the evil propensity of eating infants on the street. Oh my God. Sentenced to be maimed in the head and forelegs prior to hanging. Jeez. I like the idea that they gave it a suit to wear in court. Like, that's such a European idea. I do like that. That's what I was thinking when I brought up the grasshopper, because I'm imagining a grasshopper in a little tiny suit. You're thinking of Jiminy Cricket on yes, trial. That is <laughs> who, exactly what I'm thinking of. A callback to the, the youth. A callback to the Lindbergh thing that babysitting was invented 10 years after the Lindbergh baby incident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Babysitting clearly wasn't invented yet if a pig was eating infants on the street. Yes. That would be that would be completely fucked up to see. When it, it, it's fourteen fifty-seven, it's a Tuesday afternoon. It's like two thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> You're walking home from whatever the library or something like that. That probably wasn't invented. Uh, and then you're like, "What the fuck is that?" And it's a it's a pig just going going, going ham. Let's say <laughs> on a uh, on a kid. Yeah. And he's wearing an old suit. You know, it's like a, a, <laughs> yeah. a dirty old suit that doesn't right. fit very well. Yeah, dry cleaning wasn't invented yet. So so you've been given a new suit by the state. You arrest him, yeah, and then you give him a new fresh suit, and then he's sentenced to not only death, but to be tortured in some form beforehand. Yeah. Like, it's a pig. Yeah, that's not... (laughs) Well, the 
There's another one in this article, it's again in France, which the article mentions that there's a lot of these um, stories come from France. So okay. it doesn't seem to be big in France particularly. It just seems to be the only place where they kept good records of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, the scene of a bloody murder, this time in Savigny, where a sow had turned to violence with six piglets in tow. Oh. After all seven pigs were caught in the act, <laughs> they were imprisoned and eventually brought to trial. Esther Cohen, the author of Law, Fol Folklore, and Animal Lore, notes that from the very beginning of the legal proceedings, it was clear that the owner of the pig, though formerly the defendant, was accused only of negligence and faced no actual punishment for the killing of five-year-old Gene Martin. The sow, on the other hand, faced the death sentence. Oh my God. <laughs> when all was decided, the court called a professional hangman to carry out the sentence. In all instances of recorded animal trials, the judges, lawyers, counselors, and hangmen took the cases as seriously as they would any other murder. <laughs> My God. Nice. That's <laughs> yeah. really bizarre. Just getting away with murder by being like, oh, uh, yeah, the pig did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone like takes it seriously. Yeah. And again, yeah, and like everyone. Like, yeah, that's a great point. He did. Everyone <laughs> looks at the. Of course it did it. It's wearing a suit. Like the. <laughs> yeah. It's like if, if you just look at it, it's going to look guilty as hell. I don't know. Yeah, actually, that was probably like grounds for a mistrial, giving it a new, like, professional looking suit, because then you can't claim that the sow was, like, uh, crazy. Because yeah. it's like, well, it's well dressed. It's respectable. Clearly, it's in charge of its own actions. Yeah. Yeah, the the uh, mental, you know, what, what do they call it when when they like throw out a case because the it's it's not insanity defense. Combat. Yeah, the insanity defense. Yeah. So okay, well that's that John. That's that's a really cool article. If you actually want to take a look at that, the headline of that it's in J Store Daily. That means John went to a college for some point in time because he knows how to find some J Store stuff. <laughs> To, I went to college for animal legal, animal law. <laughs> yeah. Um, when in in the uh, the uh, t title of the article is when societies put animals on trial. I will drop that in the Discord after the uh, the episode goes up. Also, yeah. I'd like to point out the article ends with they continue to this day, mostly in remote areas, like in rural India where cockfighting is popular, mm -hmm. uh, where Catholicism maintains an influence. Like that of a Macedonian bear convicted in 2008 of stealing honey from a beekeeper. Oh, oh Macedonia. I wonder that's what so the cute. punishment was. Put to death. Death. Yeah. <laughs> Maimed in the head and, hand and hung. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, Richard Hauptmann is uh, one of the leading people <laughs> yeah. who may have done it, yeah. even though he's been dead for almost top suspects. 90 years or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, John, for that little uh, roundup of animals on trial in little tiny suits. Um, <laughs> very cool. Very funny. And uh, that takes us to our last segment. Last La week's last numbers. numbers. All right. Here we go. I'm excited to see what we got. All right. So <laughs> let's go through the numbers. Yesterday's downloads, 15. Okay. I don't. I still don't remember don't what we had last to week. That too. I think it was yesterday, like, like I feel like the yesterday's downloads one isn't as. It, it doesn't matter. It's always no. our low point. Yeah. Yeah. It's the day before the new episode. Is exactly. Yeah. Last seven days. I mean, the day before we go into the studio. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Last seven days, 138. Oh yeah. That's the highest, right? Yeah, I think I that's probably our peak. The goal was 86. I remember. Uh huh. And so that was, I mean, a hundred maybe have been the new, this week's goal. We, we beat that by 30. I think we got cocky and tried to double it by going to like 200 though, maybe. Oh, well, luckily I don't remember what happened yeah. on the last episode. The arrow is green, which means I'm in a good mood. 
Yep. Uh, last 30 days, 589. All time downloads, 1,592. Nice. So over the previous 14 days, we're up 30%. Nice. Very nice. So, so those numbers keep going up, and that is a good sign. Yeah. So it, it means that you, the listener, have been doing some work. You've been spreading the word, you've been sharing it with friends. Um, but ask yourself not what this podcast can do for you. Ask what you can do for this podcast. Thank you, Absolutely. Now, That's a beautiful aphorism you just coined. John mentioned earlier that people ask him about the podcast and he says, don't listen. <laughs> yeah, which we found very upsetting. We, he, John told us that before we recorded. It's well, kind, okay. of a, kind of a weird thing to tell your co-hosts. Well, on... dear listener, don't let my... You know, don't let this out of context, uh, you know, secondhand gossip sway you uh, without the proper context. Let me put this mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes playing hard to get mm. drives people mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. and it makes them want to seek out the thing you're keeping from them. So mm-hmm. if you're telling people, okay, uh, if, if they're asking you for podcast recommendations, maybe subtly yeah. drop that. There's one that you're listening to that maybe, I don't know if you would like it. It's not really, it's kind of a... Mm, yeah, it's not a, it's not exactly for everyone. I don't know if you're cool enough, you know. Yeah, exactly. Are, are you into? Pod. Yeah, right. I don't and know if you're hip enough for them up a wall. Yeah, yeah, be like, I don't know if you're. I don't know what kind of a podcast you listen to. Be like, oh, and then you ask like, oh, what? Like, you only listen to serial? Is that what you do? Is that like <laughs> the only podcast? You're like you know? only an NPR produced like yeah. big budget podcast. You're more yeah. of the daily listener. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe this isn't for you. I'm Michael Barbaro. You're listening to Blue Men Group. <laughs> It'll be yeah, nice to so, have Michael Barbaro on next week's episode. Yeah, yeah, we could we could swing that. Um, yeah. Well, listen, all all I'm here to say is these numbers look good, and I don't want these numbers to fall. And I think that we need to keep focusing on sharing the podcast with your friends. I want to see ratings in the Apple thing. Mm-hmm. Rated a five. Write something funny. Um, Rated a ten. But, how? Hell yeah! Give me give, give me two fives. Uh, <laughs> makes ten. I'm imagining like all of the listeners of Blue Men Group in a big circle holding hands, and what mm-hmm. we want to do is we want to expand the size of that circle. Yes, yes. We want to bring hands more across people America. In. Yeah, get more people, get the circle bigger to the point where maybe you eventually you won't even be able to see the other side of the circle when you're standing there. That's true. And by the way. You can tell your friends, this is a global podcast. We have listeners mm-hmm. in New Zealand. We have listeners in Latvia. We have listeners in the United States of America. We have listeners in Canada. Shout out. Shout yeah. out to everybody, right? To so nations. We're global citizens. We want we want everyone involved. We want, you know, it's limited by the English language. We're 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 dumb and we uh yeah. we don't we don't speak Mandarin yet. We don't yeah. uh <laughs> but it is learning. in the that is in the works, yeah. It is, yep. Yeah, that's in the works. We'll but... be recording an, an extra episode in Mandarin uh on Patreon pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Very soon. Extremely soon. But yeah. listen, hey, there's gonna be a lot of cool things coming on Blue Man Group. And I'm very thankful for your ears today that you listen to us this whole way mm-hmm. and we look forward to speaking with you next week and as always see you in the discord the rnn discord ron xc news network that's where stuff goes down if you're not into that uh let me know and i can invite you there uh but listen we're going to keep it going send your articles send us mail send us mail send us voicemail mm-hmm. everything you can do the p.o box is p.o box 21249 Detroit, Michigan, 
United States of America, 48212. Listener, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.